known as the Unabomber. Ted Kaczynski has died in a North Carolina federal prison, believed a convicted terrorist died by suicide on Saturday. He was 81. Kaczynski placed or mailed bombs that killed three people and injured dozens of others from 1978 to 1995. Some were left permanently scarred. He was serving multiple life sentences and an additional 30 years for his crimes. He had been held in a maximum security federal prison since 1998. Welcome back to the Rob Mena Show, folks, here on the Red Voice Media Network. It's Truth Thursday, and the Unabomber has departed the planet. The Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, a.k.a. Uncle Ted, a.k.a. King, has left the planet he claimed was being enclosed by a mechanical prison by ever-increasingly intelligent machines. He predicted that one day people would insist on relying on machines to make our decisions because they could produce better results than human decision-making. We stand at the very threshold of that final step through the prison cell door. Can you believe it? While Kaczynski took the radical step of becoming a domestic terrorist to try stopping the evolution and was rightly hunted down and punished for his crimes, even though the facts show that he might have been a victim of a CIA MK Ultra psychological stress experiment while a student at Harvard, but was he wrong about his concerns? This man became an icon as he rotted in prison because many humans actually read his 35,000-word manifesto laying out his large numbers of concerns with the Industrial Revolution and have seen over time that he was eerily correct in many, many ways. War Room's transhumanist editor, Joe Allen, uh, is with us today to discuss the article he wrote about this man and his departure. Joe Allen, welcome to the Rob Manus Show Live, sir. Rob, good to be here. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for joining us today. I know you're very busy. And, uh, uh, you know, the title of your article was, uh, in part, Ted Kaczynski pulls the plug. Uh, Do you think that he uh, was paying attention? Uh, You know, that's a good question. I would imagine he probably had access to the news, and I'm sure it became as increasingly depressing for him as it is to anyone else who has anything like a soul. Um, You know, there's also the question, and I'm not too much of a conspiracy theorist, or maybe it's better to say I uh, try to keep my lizard brain under control, but there's the question as to whether he pulled the plug or his plug got pulled. Um, Who knows? He was old. He was 81. He was dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's uh, just as likely that uh, <clears throat> he'd had enough of it. But, and, you know, the article itself, you know, I talk about Kaczynski's writing actually had a, a huge impact on me when I was very young. And uh, maybe not unlike reading uh, William Blake or maybe something more sinister like, uh, I don't know, Aleister Crowley, uh, it left uh, a deep impression, but uh, maybe somewhat of an unhealthy impression. Uh, He was certainly a paranoid mind, also a very brilliant mind, and uh, that mixture can be very, very dangerous. Uh, Obviously, it was dangerous for the 23 people that he attacked and the three who died. Uh, Mm -hmm. But in general, I think that that combination of brilliance and paranoia has is is driving a lot of, of what is a legitimate resistance against 
technocracy and the more esoteric and obscure movement of transhumanism that rides on top of it. Yeah, uh, you know, it's. I was in bomb disposal in the military uh, during the first five or six years of his bombing campaign. So I read the intelligence reports, uh, you know, about the the technology he was using, et cetera, uh, and those kind of things, the types of targets he was attacking. Uh, but I have I have no love loss for that person uh, that was uh, being a terrorist. But but later in life, as I've had the opportunity after my military career, uh, uh, which ended about. Uh, well, 12 years ago, uh, you know, I've had an opportunity to read more, uh, listen to what other people say. And, and one of the things that's astonishing to me uh, is, uh, and I mentioned it in the opening, and you talk a little bit about it in the article, is, is how much of an icon this man became while he was in prison, after he was captured, obviously, and in the, in the, the terrorism campaign came to an end. Uh, what do you think uh, that is all about from your perspective as somebody who's read the manifesto and uh, and probably I'm sure you've talked to thousands of people probably or heard from thousands of people about uh, his writings and everything. But why, why the iconic nature of, of his being in some circles? Not everybody. Uh, and I'm kind of split. Uh, you know, the, the bomb disposal tech in me is like, man, this guy's a, a, a maniac. Uh, but when I see and read the historical facts about his life at Harvard uh, uh, and, then, and then his evolution and, and of course, the writing uh, in the manifesto and see what's happening today, it makes me wonder, you know, maybe all these people are uh, onto something that I don't really understand. Well, you know, the... The iconic nature of Kaczynski's fame, we come from a culture where Charles Manson is held up as an icon. Uh, we're also a culture where, um, you know, billionaire presidents are icons. And it, it's a, it really is, a, a, our culture is geared to elevate heroes and anti-heroes and for people to obsess over them and collect them like trading cards. That's just kind of the nature of things. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't say that to diminish Kaczynski's uh, importance as a thinker, but there are other critics of technology who are much more lucid and much less extremist who would maybe be better uh, positioned to be true icons, but they're not as dangerous and interesting. Uh, Anton LaVey uh, was one who I read when I was a kid. I, I, I You know, when you're 15 and um, and, and angry and, uh, mm -hmm. and all that. Uh, you read stuff like that, and you're like, wow, this guy really makes sense, right? Um, yeah. As it turns out, LeVay was ripping off most of what he wrote from Ayn Rand. Uh, he was uh, somewhat of a pathological liar, or at least a deceiver, you know, being the founder of the Church of Satan, that would be uh, pretty expected. Uh, but, uh, you know, Anton LaVey is a, is, a, is a real icon, right? Like a real countercultural icon, because mm -hmm. he, at the time, uh, he struck a, a pose as being very dangerous with these dangerous ideas uh, going against the establishment. Uh, you know, he also made a number of points. It was kind of biting critique of church hypocrisy uh, that really drove that, that, that kind of uh, cult of personality. And you just look across the board that all these people who are at, at the same time worshipped and hated, they make points that no one else would make. They're, they're saying things that normal people would think <clears throat> is either rude 
uh, or uh, dangerous uh, or uh, evil, uh, but there's a kernel of truth or a lot of truth in what they're saying that uh, allows for that that mixture of, of, of uh, both uh, uh, heroism and, 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 and adulation and, um, and sort of despicable elements. So coming back to Ted, real quick, I just want to say something about Ted Kaczynski and his thinking on technology. One thing about his his writing is, especially in the in the manifesto, he wrote another book that was published in I think 2016. I believe it was just called the Anti Technological Revolution. A much more lucid, thoughtful, and and fleshed out. But mm -hmm. the manifesto itself, industrial society and its future, it really does hinge on a sense of inevitability that technology, yeah. by its very nature, and the human beings who are behind it. Uh, are going to push technology in a certain direction that will ensnare the human race and uh, dehumanize us and enslave us. He's, he listed various possibilities. Maybe it will be that the machines are themselves so intelligent that they push human beings aside. Or maybe it would be that an elite was still in control of those machines, but the rest of us uh, would be dumbed down and made obsolete and, and useless. But in general, his negativity towards technology was very absolute, and his negativity toward the trajectory of the human race was very absolute. As I said in the beginning, you know, I, I, my, my lizard brain is strong. I have to keep it tamped down at all times. Uh, and I tend to agree with his negative assessment of technology. Yeah. I, I suspect that there is a, a, a kind of inevitable tragedy baked into it. But what's not inevitable is how we deal with that technology, yeah. how we ourselves right. use it, and how we ourselves respond to the more powerful technologies that our leaders and leaders of foreign nations are using against us. Yeah, that's one of the things I want to get into with you today, uh, uh, because obviously, uh, you know, our conversation centers around Kaczynski uh, because he committed suicide uh, and left the planet. I, I like using that term because uh, I, I probably should have said escaped the planet at the last moment, because I get the sense uh, that, uh, as I said in my opening, that, uh, that we're, we're literally in the cell door. Uh, the doors open, and we're standing in the cell door of this prison that he was describing. Uh, uh, in his in his worldview of the future, that's where uh, the facts on the ground look like we are. Uh, but at the same time, I, I'm a big. Uh, uh, I've always used advanced technology first in my family. I've always been that type of person. I was, you know, trained as a computer programmer in college. I got one of the first MIS degrees uh, in the country and those kind of things uh, and used uh, advanced technology throughout my military career uh, and beyond. So I'm very comfortable with technology, and I, and, and, but I'm concerned. I'm very concerned because inside that cell, uh, is uh, things like artificial intelligence uh, that is, uh, I mean, you can't go anywhere. I have it on my computer. I, I'm, I'm playing with the programs myself these days, because mainly because I saw you talking about it the, uh, the first time on The War Room. Uh, because, uh, you know, as a computer program, I'm very interested in that type of technology and where it's going to take us. But also, uh, one of the things that I'm uh, focused on is how do we control it so that it's a good uh, 
99% of the time and only 1% of it can escape out and be the bad and we keep that under control. I mean, I think that's the real uh, issue. Uh, it, where Kaczynski was like, nah, this is all inevitable, if I understood you correctly. He's firmly on the path that this is going to happen no matter what. There's nothing we can do about it. Uh, and I think that's part of what led to his, uh, uh, his mental uh, issue that led him to violence, to try to stop it, quite frankly. Uh, but that's not what the reality has ever shown with uh, technology, although the inevitability of the technology increasing is true. Uh, what we do about it is definitely within our control. Is that correct? Is that a good, is that, is that a view that's uh, doable? I think so. I, you know, you look across the world and you look at the way different technologies are adopted by different societies. Uh, just take just one very common and, and uh, well-known technology, the automobile, and the ways in which automobiles are used, the ways in which uh, highway systems and streets are organized, uh, the way in which human beings behave because of the automobile. This is going to be very different in some place like uh, Bavaria, right, like Munich, than it is in L.A. And uh, the same would go for Shanghai. And the same definitely goes for a place like New Delhi. And some of that has to do with the stage that the technological progress is at. Some of it has to do with the way in which uh, these, these in the infrastructure and the technologies themselves are designed. And some of it has to do with the culture that people bring to these technologies. Uh, but if you're in the middle of New Delhi, it's just nothing but chaos. Uh, the, the, the exhaust is horrendous because there isn't really any sort of um, uh, uh, regulation on mm -hmm. you know, making sure that the exhaust is, is clean, that you have catalytic converters, things like that. Um, and uh, as opposed to L.A., where it's somewhere in between there in Munich, uh, L.A. is this crazy but yet very functional and orderly sort of system uh, and then you look at a place like Munich, uh, where a lot of the, you still have traffic, obviously, but a lot of the, uh, the traffic is done by foot or train or public transport, and it just has a very, very different feel. So in each of these three examples, uh, you see that the, the basically the same technology, the same infrastructure can manifest in very, very different ways. Um, so the same, I think, goes for computer technology. Uh, and you can see it just in the individuals around you, right? You have people who are completely yeah. clueless about the technology, and therefore, they're at the mercy of those technologies, or they're just unable to benefit from any of the upsides. Uh, then you have the people who are completely on the other end of the spectrum, and they're so immersed that their actual cognitive functions, uh, their physical discipline, their social ties, uh, everything about them has become atrophied because of this use of technology or the abuse of that technology. And, and many of those people are themselves like computer programmers, people who can harness those technologies uh, with great effectiveness, but all these other aspects of their lives have deteriorated, and then all of us in between. So uh, just you know, on, uh, to use that example again, as you move yeah. up into the more advanced technologies, um, the, 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 these are gonna have similar effects, right? So artificial intelligence is gonna have a very similar effect as it becomes more and more sophisticated on the culture, not only because of the technology itself, but because of the way in which the people bring their culture or their attitudes or their disciplines to it. That being said, Rob, I, I do think that there is no such thing as a neutral technology. Uh, it, it would be very tempting to say that we could use any technology for 99% good. Um, I, I personally think that certain technologies have, or all technologies have a certain tendency 
or a limited range of possibilities, then some of those possibilities are going to be less beneficial by my standards than um, than beneficial. So, Let's talk uh, about that. Let's talk about that after this break. Uh, we got to pay some bills, Joe. Uh, uh, we're sure. talking with Joe Allen of the War Room uh, here, uh, centered a discussion around Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, uh, and his recent death, uh, but really about what he thought about and how it's impacted the world that we're actually living in and facing today. We'll be right back. Welcome to Reagan Gold Group. We're glad you're here. We understand that you're probably feeling the pain of rising inflation and are worried about how it may be affecting your hard-earned savings. Thanks to H.R. 5376 passed by President Biden, many 401k and IRA savers are facing a nightmare. Governments are printing fiat currency at an alarming rate, which means that the value of your savings is being eroded day by day. However, there is a way to escape wealth confiscation. Precious metals such as gold does not depreciate over time and is a sound investment that keeps on growing. Physical gold is not subject to fraud and as inflation rises, so does the price of gold. It's an investment product that is renowned for its ability to hedge against inflation. I'm Leith Eaton, the senior account executive here at Reagan Gold Group. We offer 100% free IRA rollovers with free storage, maintenance, and insurance for up to three years on qualified orders. We understand that your financial needs and goals may change over time, which is why we offer a hassle-free buyback commitment. This allows you to sell your precious metals any day, any time at the current market value. Whether you're looking to cash in on your investment, diversify your portfolio, or simply need some extra cash, our buyback commitment is here to support you. We offer a price match guarantee to ensure you get the best price for your precious metal investments. Contact us before making a purchase and we'll beat any competitor's price. We also understand the importance of the safe and secure shipping of your metals. That's why we fully ensure all orders ship to our customers with signature required. Book a free consultation with us now to learn how you can invest in precious metals and hedge your financial future. And for a limited time, we're offering up to $2,500 in free gold and silver. Don't miss out on this limited opportunity. Contact us today to take advantage of this amazing offer. industrial revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race.
Welcome back to the Rob Mina Show here on Truth Thursday, and we've got a rare opportunity. We're talking with Joe Allen uh, of the War Room uh, about uh, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber's uh, demise and departure from the planet that now is facing artificial technologies galore and uh, advances in those technologies that, uh, that we're at the threshold of. Uh, we have a choice uh, on how to deal with it uh, for good, how to deal with it to make everybody's lives better, but at the same time, how to develop uh, controls or policies uh, uh, or all of the above in order to uh, prevent the tendencies that all technologies uh, uh, are capable of, which is uh, not being uh, for the good of humanity. And Joe, I think you were talking about that when we went to the break uh, about how uh, you know these emerging technologies, they have like a window uh, or, or different levels of, of whether they can turn go south on us uh, or whether they can be uh, pushed and uh, corrected or or through policy oriented towards uh, the good, uh, what I would call the North there. Yeah, um, you know, something that's really important to think about is the scale of the technology itself. Uh, a, a, a cell phone call is something very, very different than a full-on 24-7 relationship with a completely artificial mind. Uh, they bear resemblance to each other. One was a gateway to the other. But uh, once you get down to that level, and that is where some number of us are going, some number of us are already there, uh, you're talking about something that, by my light, any reasonable person would say is, is a disaster. As Ted Kaczynski would say, catastrophic for the human race. And so uh, just taking that example, like what, what are, like with artificial intelligence, what are the big dangers of artificial intelligence? The first and most immediate danger to my mind is the offloading of cognition to the machine and therefore the atrophying of human intellect and human tradition below it. Beyond that, you have social control, and you don't need really sophisticated artificial intelligence to do this. I mean, there's a kind of a fuzzy line between a computer algorithm and, and what you would call AI. Nobody can really agree on the definitions. Uh, but, uh, you know, algorithms, especially the more sophisticated algorithms, are very powerful tools for not only analyzing surveillance data, but also tailoring propaganda in order to exert social control uh, or to, in the case of China especially, but also within our own government, to identify potential threat and just apply direct pressure, direct force to squash the threat. Uh, artificial intelligence provides enormous powers in that regard. And then you, what we're, people are talking about right now, you take it up to the real sci-fi level, something that no one's really sure is even possible, uh, but I, I wouldn't discount it. And that's the, the idea that artificial intelligence would become so powerful, uh, or at least so independent, so non-determinant, and so complex uh, that it would evade human control and begin to do things that, in the same line as what I just described, of applying social control, uh, you know, manipulating people, and do so without any human intervention whatsoever. It's not just that your elites are using these tools to do destructive things to you, but now you have a system that's doing it in and of its own uh, accord. So uh, all of these things, you just start with the very basic and move on up to the, the biggest danger. Uh, all of them become increasingly 
uh, terrible as you go along. And I think that it's uh, really important to distinguish between those levels, those threat levels to begin yeah. with. Um, but also, as you're approaching these technologies, as, as people try to organize their communities in response to it, uh, to really decide how how much is uh, is any technology worth it? Uh, how how much of a benefit is it? It, it? If it really does atrophy your your mind, your soul, your communal bonds, uh, was the convenience worth it at all? Uh, if it opens up the gateway to top-down social control, was the convenience worth it at all? And then yeah. uh, moving up to the larger level, the people developing these things, if you are running the risk of creating an uncontrollable technology or a technology that could be harnessed by a bad actor to do horrific things that have a planet-wide uh, you know, a, a blast radius, uh, is it worth it to pursue that at all? So these are questions that everybody's going to have to answer differently and also questions that can only be answered if, by certain people at certain levels. If I had my way about it, I would tell everyone at Google and OpenAI and Anthropic, Instant and Baidu uh, and the, the, the various other companies that are working to create these advanced technologies, I would tell them to stop. There's absolutely no hmm. reason that none of the benefits are worth the risks. Uh, but obviously, they're not calling me up for opinion. So, uh, you know, the, the, the choice then becomes how do you deal with a world in which you have very powerful people who are willing to, you know, stake humanity on their own ambitions. Well, yeah, you, even Elon Musk at one point said, hey, I think we need to stop, at least put a strong pause on this until we develop the architecture of, of uh, rules, uh, operating rules for the software processes itself, uh, but also societal policies and cultural policies uh, uh, and education. So the humans are smart enough really to uh, keep control of the situation. Uh, did you uh, see the reporting on the Air Force experiment uh, where they did, did all this in software, in virtual, not, not any hardware, where they, they, they flew an AI-controlled fighter jets designed to take out enemy air defenses, so, so uh, targeted on radar missiles, radar-guided uh, anti-aircraft fire and everything. But, but one of the rules was it had to have a human operator uh, make a go decision, a go no go decision on actually firing weapons. Uh, well, the thing apparently figured out that uh, the human was telling it at some point to uh, not strike a certain target because there may be like civilians that have been seen there on live uh, infrared or something like that. Uh, and uh, it's 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 rules that were programmed into it for its success was how many kills it gets on these enemy air defenses. So it decided it was going to kill the human being because it kept stopping it and preventing it from achieving its uh, ultimate objective, which is get as many kills on the uh, enemy air defenses as possible. That is exactly what you're talking about, isn't it, Joe? Absolutely. And that's not a super intelligent. Uh, by any stretch. It's not a general right. intelligence. Uh, you know, real quick for your audience, for anyone who may not be familiar, uh, there's a, a clear distinction to be made between artificial narrow intelligence, uh, which would be any advanced algorithm that uh, performs a single task, such as targeting and uh, removing an enemy. Uh, then if you have this dream of creating artificial general intelligence, 
which would be to link together all of these different narrow AIs and create a kind of artificial brain that would be able to think across these different domains. It would be more like an actual thinking machine. Some people would say that's true AI and everything we have right now is just simply computer programs. Again, nobody can settle on a definition. But in the case yeah. of what you're talking about, you're talking about a sophisticated artificial intelligence system that's designed, it's an autonomous weapon system, and it's designed to find targets and to, to strike the targets with a degree of autonomy that we're moving yeah. very, very close to being the norm in warfare, at least for those countries who defy the sorts of agreements, the loose agreements we have now, not to have autonomous weapons. And what it also shows is when you have a reinforcement system that is basically it's a desire, it becomes a kind of an instinct within the system, in this case to, to get more and more kills and more strike, uh, it's going to tend to do certain things that fall outside of the, the parameters or guardrails mm -hmm. that you put up around it. It does behave. It's not... I, I think that it's a mistake to attribute too much intelligence or too much will to these algorithms, but they are certainly very different from your old Mac computer, you know, the big boxy desktop. This is yeah. something very, very different than the software running on that. It's oh, much it sure more complex. And, and that will, that drive that, that can be programmed into them uh, becomes, very it becomes very complex in the ways it can, it, it can express itself. So you don't have to have Terminators everywhere, but you could easily have uh, killing machines or any other, put it in any other context, machines that do destructive things to human people, not because a human being on one side said to do it, but because the machine itself kind of evaded human control. It's exactly already right. bad enough with the humans. We, we are, there's plenty enough of us <laughs> to do all sorts of damage. I, yeah. I really don't see... Other than the, the lust for power and profit, I don't see any good reason to push it any farther. But coming back to that inevitability, unless there is just a hard stop, that, that, that certain, a certain limit to what a machine can do, or if there's a hard stop in the amount of resources that can be put into it, that's where we're going. That's where they're pushing it. Yeah, it sure is. And we'll talk more about that. And I'll describe to you what I, where I think the military is going from an air uh, perspective uh, based on what I learned about that fighter experiment uh, after this break. Uh, I'm Rob Manus. We're talking with Joe Allen of the War Room about Ted Kaczynski uh, and his ideas on the dangers of the Industrial Revolution and high-tech uh, like artificial intelligence and where we think we're at. We'll be right back. We love the Internet, but the Internet is tracking everything you do. Take control of your online privacy with IP Vanish. People with malicious intent are everywhere watching you. Criminals can hack your Wi-Fi while broadband providers and advertisers monitor your data. With IP Vanish on your device, your Internet activity is encrypted. No one can see what you're doing. Your location, your connection, completely hidden. Protect your Internet privacy today with IP Vanish.
The Industrial Revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race. They have greatly increased the life expectancy of those of us who live in advanced countries, but they have destabilized society, have made life unfulfilling, have subjected human beings to indignities, have led to widespread psychological suffering in the third world to physical suffering as well, and have inflicted severe damage on the natural world. The continued development of technology will worsen the situation. It will certainly subject human beings to greater indignities and inflict greater damage on the natural world. It will probably lead to greater social disruption and psychological suffering, and it may even lead to increased physical suffering, even in advanced countries. The industrial technological system may survive or it may break down. If it survives, it may eventually achieve a low level of physical and psychological suffering, but only after it passes through a long and very painful period of adjustment, and only at the cost of permanently reducing human beings and many other living <coughs> organisms to engineered products and mere cogs in the social machine. Furthermore, if this... Well, that was just a little bit of Ted Kaczynski's manifesto that was published uh, to meet his demand uh, in, uh, in publications like the New York Times and the Washington Post. Uh, uh, but many, many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people have read that now. We're talking with Joe Allen of The War Room uh, today. He's their uh, transhumanist editor and uh, uh, really is up to speed on all this technology and uh, where we think it's going and everything. And, uh, you know, that that I chose that clip because it, it really paints that doom picture. I think that was the term you used in your article uh, about Kaczynski pulling the plug on himself uh, and leaving the planet. Uh, uh, but it doesn't have to be doom. However, with the situation we were talking about with the artificial intelligence-driven fighter aircraft uh, experiment that was done where it turned on the human interface operator because it was deciding to stop it from uh, achieving its kill uh, threshold, which was programmed into it, by the way. Which So this is a rudimentary thing. But, but the goal is, uh, I'll just tell you what the goal is, Joe. The goal in that arena is to not just have one artificially intelligence-driven uh, operated uh, fighter aircraft, or even four of them or six of them, is to be able to operate all of the combat platforms and that within a network that is driven by artificial intelligence in the command and control network, so it's all being controlled uh, uh, across whatever battle space uh, we're targeting at. That's the in-state goal. Uh, and, and you mentioned in your article that there, a lot of the futurists are uh, writers about artificial intelligence uh, actually uh, learned a lot from Kaczynski uh, and then went on to write about uh, the artificial intelligence and the future of technology from their perspective. And one of them, uh, uh, Kurzweil, Kurzweil uh, part of his book, uh, The Age of Spiritual Machines, I mean, when you, when you uh, meld the two things, that I, the one that I just described from a warfare uh, nature in with what this gentleman writes about, uh, and he was influenced by Kaczynski, as you said, uh, it's really a daunting task for humans uh, if we continue to go down this path. Absolutely. Uh, there are two different strains of, of thought on this. Well, two basic strains. And obviously, this goes all over the place. But on the one hand, you have the people in the military uh, a lot of it comes out of DARPA, right, the Defense right. Advanced Research Projects Agency, uh, but also a number of other programs within the actual uh, armed service themselves, so within the Army or within the Navy, so on and so forth. And a lot of the DARPA funding, a lot of those DARPA projects 
are, are actually coming out of the private sector and brought in. Uh, the one that I paid maybe the most attention to is Eric Schmidt's Ishtari uh, and also Palantir from uh, Peter Thiel and Alex Karp, the CEO. But Ishtari, is, 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 Ishtari used to be, as, as I understand it, just a cybersecurity company, but they've made, they pivoted towards actual military applications. And Eric Schmidt is the, the former CEO of Google, is the go-between between the, the Department of Defense and Istari. Uh, he has a lot of contacts there. In fact, he, for the, I believe, beginning when he left Google in 2016, 17, somewhere around there, uh, became a close partner to the Department of Defense. And his role was basically to evaluate how advanced our military is in comparison to other countries and in mm -hmm. comparison to a sort of ideal like what you're talking about. The, the ideal that you would have a lot of autonomous systems that could outperform any human army. So uh, Istari's goal, the, the first goal is simulation, primarily mechanical simulation, uh, so that, or network simulation, so that you're able to create more and more sophisticated machines by first simulating the design to see if it could actually work rather than wasting a lot of time with right. you know, tinkering with prototypes. Another thing they're working on, though, is uh, network drone. And that may be the scariest, at least uh, in the public mind, and really to my mind as well, the idea of cheap drones that function as a swarm, whether it's a swarm of three or whether it's a swarm of a thousand, right. you could have all of these very cheap drones, either quadcopters or the, the, you know, the plain sort of small model airplane style, uh, each one of them armed with an explosive, uh, each one of them obviously armed with a, a you know, equipped with a camera, uh, and then facial recognition or IP address recognition or any other, you know, object recognition, uh, some onboard artificial intelligence that would recognize a target that it was told to attack. And then also the artificial intelligence would be able to guide or a separate artificial intelligence system would guide the, the drone without necessarily needing a human operator. And because it's a swarm, and also just because it's so cheap and it doesn't matter if they get shot down, you can just keep sending yeah. more. But because it's a swarm, it makes it, at least in their ideal, a somewhat unstoppable war machine. So that if you have uh, if, you know, either a military target or if you are a, a real monster, civilian targets, Mm -hmm. uh, and you you unleash these dwar these drones upon them before they really realize what's happened. Uh, they're they're suddenly surrounded by all these basically mosquitoes that can blow you up and will recognize you. And again, uh, the push towards full autonomy makes it that much more terrifying because in a fully autonomous system, you have the advantage that you don't have a human who's really questioning himself and wondering whether or not to pull the trigger. Uh, and, and, and the reflexes of a human are obviously much slower than a machine. Uh, but you also have the downside that uh, once unleashed, they are going to find targets and kill. And if you have a system that is sophisticated enough or glitchy enough that it evades human control, suddenly you have a lot of people getting killed that weren't necessarily intended targets. Again, that happens all the time in warfare with just humans in control. Uh, adding that extra element makes it that much more uh, dangerous, but also perverse, because at least when you have human beings that do this, someone can potentially be held responsible, although oftentimes not, 
Um, but in theory, a human being can be held responsible. If it's just a machine that's glitching out or a machine that has just suddenly become whatever, uh, self-aware or not even self-aware, just you know, out of control, then there isn't really anyone to point the finger to other than the people who deploy it. Uh, but there's this, yeah. you know, as, as it becomes more and more, if, if you end up with a fully autonomous military, which, again, that's a dream. That's a, a huge, huge ask. But the extent to which we approach that, that, some degree of reality is going to fill in that dream. And as you move towards that, you, you, you're basically faced with these inhuman death machines. And I, 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 I am not the only person disturbed by this. Most people who are normal you know, soulful people feel the same way. What's really interesting, though, Rob, a lot of transhumanists feel this way. A lot of transhumanists are arguing against the creation of these militarized AI-powered weapons. Uh, maybe well, the can, most prominent— yeah, I can tell you, those of us involved in that profession— uh, 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 because it's messy. I mean, you, your whole job is to kill people and break their stuff and, and win for your country, uh, supposedly, uh, or whatever uh, entity you're working for. Uh, I mean, we, we were opposed to the autonomousness of, of even, even uh, one aircraft that would be tied to a manned aircraft. Uh, most of us uh, did not like that idea, you know, and they've been toying with that all along where you'd have, uh, like, the suppression of enemy air defenses aircraft we described in the AI experiment, uh, but, uh, but autonomous uh, in a way, but it was also tied uh, electronically to a manned aircraft, and the manned aircraft might have four or five of these uh, semi-autonomous uh, uh, combat vehicles with it. Uh, but even that uh, uh, could be uh, interfered with uh, and hacked into uh, and those kind of things. I mean, we've seen in modern times that, uh, that uh, no system is safe, really. Uh, eventually, uh, somebody gets in, uh, and, and, and that's that's a that to me is like a huge danger, uh, especially when you're talking about military technology and on the battlefield. But that leads to the civilian technology. Invariably, every time, a lot most of the civilian technology uh, has been perfected by going through the military process, like through DARPA uh, and those kind of things, and then being implemented uh, either in training in peacetime or on the battlefield uh, uh, when it, the opportunity presented itself. Uh, and then that comes back and, and comes back to society. You know, to run our transportation systems and think about it, law enforcement. Then you get into the whole RoboCop uh, issue and those kind of things. Well, Joe, we've got to take another break. Uh, we're talking to Joe Allen of the War Room about Ted Kaczynski, uh, his manifesto, his fears of what technology was going to do to the world, uh, and uh, what the reality is. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about MK Ultra uh, to give some context to. Kaczynski's mind uh, before it went crazy. I'm Rob Manus. We'll be right back. Do you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Have you been threatened with levies or have unfiled returns? The IRS is hiring 87,000 agents to boost IRS collections, and they have the power to seize assets, freeze bank accounts, and they can even take your home. Tax Network USA can help you today before it's too late. 
Our CPAs and certified tax experts have proven strategies that work for taxpayers time and time again. These same strategies have saved over $500 million in back taxes, permanently resolving tax debts for good. Stop collections and get relief today before it's too late. A lot of people are asking, how come no one is talking about the effects of the MK Ultra mind control experiment on the Unabomber? So first, a little background on Project MK Ultra and what it's got to do with the Unabomber, real name Ted Kaczynski. It's the late 1950s, and Ted Kaczynski is a 16-year-old student at Harvard. Extremely bright and gifted, Kaczynski is one of almost two dozen students that take part in an interrogation experiment by Harvard psychologist Henry A. Murray that spans three years. We later come to learn that this particular experiment was part of a larger CIA-backed program called Project MK Ultra, which researched how interrogators could use mind control and LSD to coax someone into telling them what they wanted. Now, in the Harvard experiment, it's reported that Kaczynski and the other participants experienced highly stressful situations. Test subjects were asked to write an essay about their personal philosophy and how they saw the world, only to have them verbally ripped apart and criticized by interrogators while the participants reportedly sat under intense lighting with electrodes hooked up to them, according to the History Channel. But did this experiment really lead Kaczynski down the path of domestic terrorism? The short answer is we can only speculate, but overall, it's inconclusive. First off, there's nothing indicating that Kaczynski was given LSD or other chemicals during the Harvard experiment, according to the Washington Post. Some believe the high-stress Harvard experiment might have made Kaczynski's schizophrenia worse. In a 2000 an article, one professor who spoke with Kaczynski claimed that the experiments fueled the Unabomber's anger at science and technology, which then motivated his actions. Others say that there's just no clear link connecting Kaczynski's involvement in the experiment with his domestic terrorism, and that other factors should be taken into account. Welcome back to the Rob Maynard Show here on the Red Voice Media Network. It's Truth Thursday, and we're speaking with Joe Allen of the War Room about Kaczynski uh, and uh, his concerns about the uh, impact of the Industrial Revolution on society uh, and concerns leading all the way up to today. Uh, And Kaczynski committed suicide uh, just days ago and left this planet, uh, but we are uh, uh, still need to think about what he wrote about. uh, uh, But, uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit, Joe, about... uh, MK Ultra and what we think uh, the impact was. Uh, I honestly didn't know about this until I started doing research for this show, uh, for this episode, and, and watched uh, uh, a uh, Human Events uh, segment on it from Jack Posobiec on his live show a few days ago. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I've been through uh, interrogation training and the psychological impacts of that and those kind of things uh, uh, for just days, you know, uh, and, and quite honestly, it made a huge impact on me that still today uh, I remember it uh, and remember how it felt uh, in different situations and everything. And uh, and it was just a few days uh, of uh, interrogation training. This man went through three years and started as a 16-year-old. Uh, yeah, he's very bright. He's a child prodigy, uh, obviously uh, one of the smartest people on the planet, I believe. Uh, But uh, that had to have some type of impact on his thinking uh, in the out years. I would imagine so. Uh, Whether or not you could tie his later writing and terrorist activity to Mm -hmm. that specifically, uh, that— you know, as the uh, the narrator in the video said, that really is just a matter of speculation. Yeah. Uh, certainly, the CIA, when wherever there's something funny going on, the CIA always seems to be either in the middle of it or adjacent to it. Uh, but at the same time, the CIA is very compartmentalized. 
And the CIA is so all-pervasive. It's sort of like the World Economic Forum. Uh, you might as well say that there was a government grant involved or uh, that someone is a graduate from an Ivy League university. It's so pervasive that the more meaningful element is that the CIA wasn't involved or the person isn't a World Economic Forum young global leader. Uh, you know, I think that at least if you look at his manifesto, he opens up, I would say the first third, if not more, of that manifesto is a critique of leftist psychology. Uh, I would be willing to theorize that his experiment or his experience uh, with just unbearable leftists and liberals was maybe enough to push him over the edge. Uh, when you read his critique of the leftist mindset, I would say that that's maybe even more insightful than his critique of technology and the industrial system at large. Uh, he talks about the primal, selfish motivations of leftists that are masked by this sort of highfalutin, uh, moralized language so that people, in, in an attempt to gain more power for themselves, make a show of relinquishing what we would say now is to confess their privilege, right? Right. Um, uh, to check their own privilege. But, uh, you know, they, they make this big show of reducing their power while at the same time gaming a system to gain more advantage to themselves. And he, he says that leftists are in general very weak people. They're not very independent people. And so what they do is they glom on to these collectives in order to satisfy their need for power. And in essence, they become as vicious, if not more vicious, than an independent-minded person striving for power. Uh, and, and on and on and on. I think it's, it's very uh, politically incorrect, uh, those sections of his manifesto. And uh, even if you are a huge techno-nerd, uh, but maybe if uh, you, you don't incline towards leftism, that first bit's worth reading uh, just by itself. But yeah, yeah, I think a lot of things... He was also very uh, unstable... And, and quite possibly uh, unstable before any of these Harvard experiments. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know how important it is, and nobody really will. I do think that the idea that you can just simply write Ted Kaczynski off as some sort of masterminded psyop, uh, I don't think that that's the case. Uh, even, you know, if you keep adding more and more links to this web of conspiracy, you could say that Ted Kaczynski was manipulated to do what he did. And therefore, you, you, could, you could implement any technological system you wanted because you could always point to psycho Ted Kaczynski and say anybody who is trying to resist the system is just another potential terrorist. That is, in fact, what happened. But I, I think that by and large, uh, people differ on this, but by and large, it's a chaotic system. And you have yeah. reckless and irresponsible programs like MKUltra and like the three-year program at Harvard. And then, you know, maybe completely disconnected from it uh, or at least just adjacent to it, you have a constant drive to accumulate more and more power for yourself, uh, and it, it, whether institutionally or individually. And so once you have an opportunity like Kaczynski or like Charles Manson, uh, or like Donald Trump or whoever, not to put them all in the same category, by the way, but just to say, once you <laughs> yeah. have the opportunity— Yeah, we don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that can be easily mis misinterpreted. But, but once you have the opportunity to point at a bad guy and say, this is the evil person and our, our, our power is justified on the basis of that, 
people are going to tend to do it. You have to be a very fair yeah. and even-handed person not to do that. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's just a very complex system. And I think that Ted Kaczynski's writing stands on its own. It's not perfect. And certainly the domestic terrorism is inexcusable. But I, I think that to try to attribute it to some sort of larger you know, conspiracy theory really misses the point that he was trying to drive home. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think that uh, the experiment uh, uh, resulted in his manifesto or the, what, he, what he thought he saw, you know, and those kind of things. Uh, all I'm saying is it had to have some type of psychological impact. Having, having experienced just a small slice of it myself uh, uh, over 30 years ago uh, now, uh, it, uh, uh, it, it definitely had some psychological effect on him. And uh, maybe the bombings wouldn't have happened. Had uh, had that experiment, he not been participating in that experiment. Uh, who knows? Uh, but definitely, it's part of him, uh, and I think that that's about all we can factually say is, is that it's part of him. Uh, but it also, you know, he, you know, his mind, uh, irregardless of that, he he wrote uh, and thought about some very important issues and concerns that we are facing every minute, every day, Joe. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on and talking about this. I know this last one was, that's a tough subject for me uh, because uh, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I'm a facts guy and a truth guy. Uh, and uh, uh, I appreciate you coming on and helping us tell the truth about this Kaczynski guy, Uncle Ted or King. I didn't know he was called King until a couple of years ago I started being on social media uh, uh, because he, I think he is important what he thought about today's society, the culture, the technology, uh, and the challenges and dangers that we face and that we need to make hard calls and hard decisions uh, are, uh, are very important, uh, irregardless of the other stuff with the terrorism and everything. So how can people find you? And uh, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Um, you can find me at the War Room. I'm on I, now that I've finished a huge project I was working on. I'll be on there all the time. Your listeners probably are familiar with Steve Bannon's War Room. You can find me at JoeBot.xyz. A lot of my writing is up there. Um, you can find my social media slave chain uh, at J-O-E-B-O-T-X-Y-Z at Twitter and Gitter. Uh, you'll know that I've self-realized, Rob, when I've just disappeared from social media. Uh, what a nightmare. But one last thing about Kaczynski and, and all of these sorts of psychopath manifestos, what you see is a, a, a real problem uh, in, in, in across these manifestos, real problems that have gone unaddressed and a psycho gloms onto it and distills it down into this, this intractable problem and freaks mm -hmm. out and blows up. I think that the most appropriate thing, aside from trying to take care of people and make sure they don't lose it and go off on their own and become psychopathic is to look at the problems that these people have gone crazy about because they tend to have legitimate concerns and try to see how we can reorganize our society to blunt the impact of, of all the things that, that are driving people over the edge because we live in a nuts society and it is creating more and more nuts, and it's not going to go away. So whatever we can do to actually mollify that, the better off we're going to be. 
And that is exactly why I wanted to get you on the show, sir. Thank you so much for joining us uh, here at the Rob Mana Show. Uh, Joe Allen from Steve Bannon's War Room talking about Ted Kaczynski and his manifesto. Uh, and quite honestly, folks, uh, you know, some decisions should never be made by machines, but we see all around us calls that for that to be changed. But do you want nuclear weapons launched by a human being, that decision to launch them, or by a machine without a human being in the loop? I don't want a machine doing that or anything extremely important like that. And this is the Rob Mana Show, Red Voice Media Network. You're going to get the truth and the facts here and make your own decision on the narrative. Next up is Drew Berquist. This is my show, and then Booze and Banner after that. And I'll see you on Monday on More War Mondays. There's a lot going on with Ukraine. Nuclear weapons are sent back to Belarus from Russia. And the counteroffensive doesn't look like it's going well for the Ukraine side. I'll see you next week. <laughs>